When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, Chandler, that was a doozy of an episode we just recorded. I loved it. I thought that was really fun. No, it was so fun. We get into a lot of topics. We get a little heated at the end with each other regarding um, a very important celebrity. We get political. We get political. Everyone, in this episode, we dive deep into the David Beckham documentary, which has truly, I think, been a gift to heterosexual and gay men across the world. Okay. And honestly, men with eyes. So everyone, all the human race. Anyone with, with two working eyeballs. Frankly, anyone with ears. He's got a sexy voice too. We recap and discuss the dramatic episode of Real Housewives of New York. Okay, everyone. We have a lot of thoughts on that. And let's just say not all of them are positive, but we really needed to get yep. into it. And we boy, did we. And then Chandler, we dig into the Mauricio rumors that he has a new woman on his arm, Leslie Vega. Mm-hmm. And finally, mm-hmm. Chandler, what did we discuss today? We discuss why Matthew McConaughey is the savior of the world. <laughs> and why Chandler wishes he's the next president of the United States. With that, everyone, buckle in. Hope you enjoy the episode. Good morning. Welcome to Pop Apologists. Chandler, I am so grateful to be gathered with you here today to discuss the many topics we have prepared for our dear Pop Apostles and listeners. It really sounds like you're starting a church talk. (laughs) You know, I just think that there are holy subjects to discuss today, such as the beauty of David Beckham's face. (gasps) such as Matthew McConaughey on Smartless. I mean, the docket we have going today is just so delightful. And yes, akin to a spiritual experience for our listeners, I'm sure. I'm very excited to get into these topics. I want to first of all apologize for my nasally voice. If you caught the last recording, I am a little bit foggy and out of it. And that is because I was fully coming down with something. And now I fully have come down with something. And so I am, you know, recording from my deathbed, from the grips of a cold. So I'm sorry for, you know, this congested voice, but I am here nonetheless and very excited to talk about celebrities and get my mind off of Dayquil and NyQuil. Well, you look darling. I like the gold hoops, the slicked back bun. You actually look really cute. So hopefully we won't get too much hate on TikTok for your look today. My look is so bad. I feel so puffy. My roots are so bad. I just My I, roots are bad too. I don't even want to talk about my appearance. I said to Ben, I'm like, I promise you one day I will be hot again. One day I will feel good <laughs> enough to blow dry my hair. One day. But that today Chandler, is not that day. Your internalized misogyny is showing. It just reminds me of oh. when we got a bunch of hate. When I remember I had that like crazy skin rash after I used retinol too much. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I made the joke on the pod. I was like, Kagan didn't sign up for this. And anyway, we got a we got a flurry of hate for those remarks. So I just wanted to be known to all of our listeners that the men in our lives signed up for us at every stage of life, at every stage of beauty. 
It's true. And honestly, Ben has never made a comment about me looking haggard. You know, in fact, when I said that to him, he was like, I disagree. You look beautiful, but I'll save all that corn for something else. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's move, move along. along from that. All right, Chandler, any personal updates in your life before we move on to celebrities? Yes. I have a very riveting personal update, everybody. So I hope you're on the edge of your seat. Maybe you need oh, to gosh. take a seat for this. With a wedding looming in the future, it is time for Ben and I to buckle down our finances a little bit. And he has been oh. working on a family budget for us. Okay. And stop. I'm going to give a trigger warning to people everywhere that the sound of a family budget makes literally anyone feel sick to their stomach. Um, and just, you know, a wave of nausea, at least that's what it does for me. But this man literally stayed up until 2am on Friday night on a weekend night, working on our family budget. He literally, he's been going through all of my transactions for the last year, which stop. Wait, that's like such an invasion. I handed over all my credit card statements to him. terrifying. I know. I know. I handed it over. We're not even married yet. I just have a ring on my finger, but I somehow feel safe enough to do that. I handed over all my credit card statements. And what this man has been able to uncover is chilling. I've been subscribing to something called Philo for the past year. $25 (laughs) a month. No clue. Wait, stop. Stop. No clue. Stop it. It's bad. It's bad. Things are not looking good. I feel like when it comes to subscriptions, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but for me, what I've done in the past with subscriptions is I have just been like, the only way to turn off all my subscriptions is to close my bank accounts. (laughs) If I close my bank accounts and open new bank accounts, then I can get a grip on all, I can actually choose which subscriptions I actually want in my life. Yes, absolutely. I'll do you one better. I actually think the only way to get out of all your subscriptions is to fake your own death. I think I might need to fake my own death. To just fully absolve myself from all of the unnecessary monthly payments that I am making. I've heard Fila is really hard to get out of, actually. You it might is. need an attorney. Also, it's like, I'm just, I've, I felt so dumb. because, it, And it's also like a streaming service, which I probably signed up to watch like Yellowstone or something. I wanted to watch like one episode of something. So I signed up for a whole new service. Now this has turned into no. a year of free of me just like paying out the nose. Chandler, I have to tell you. I was on my Apple like wallet statement yeah. this morning and it was like $3.99, real news, no bullshit. And I'm like, when did I sign up for this? Right. I, Chandler, I also subscribed to Elon Musk on Twitter and was paying him $4 a month. I was doing that as a joke to myself, which I thought was funny. Like, Hilarious. oh, he doesn't need any more money. I guess I'm going to give him some. And then I forgot about it. So Kagan found idiot. it the other day. We're, <laughs> we're both idiots. We're both huge idiots. We are both idiots. There are sub stacks I subscribe to that are $4.99 a month that maybe pump out one article a month. Right. I anyway, actually, I, ha- I have noticed how many sub stacks you subscribe to or at least also how many Patreons you have. And it's alarming. And I do think Kagan needs to do a family <laughs> budget for you because, yeah, you've got some skeletons in your closet. All that is to say is that I'm currently being audited by my fiance. We mm. don't know where this is going to go. We don't know what this will mean for my future. We don't know what, you yeah. know, like I already thought I didn't dress super well, but I, I might be dressing <laughs> even worse. I might be looking even worse because my budget was getting reined in and I just need everyone's thoughts and prayers at this time. Chandler, I am praying for you right Thank now. Thank you. I think one of the reasons that I have peace in my marriage and my life is that Kagan and I, the way we spend money is completely separated. Yeah. So money I earn, I spend on my own discretion, right, my own right. will. And money that he has or he brings in, he spends. And it's just, you know, 
Well, it's basically like, don't ask, don't tell. You know, it's like the military in 2004 or whatever. It's just like, <laughs> look the other way. Let me be clear. That's the way it is. I have just d- decided and, you know, a, in a moment of sheer and utter stupidity to hand him over all my transactions so that, you know, he can see all the, the skeletons. And the funny thing is that, you know, he's like, okay, let's look at the last year. Let's look at how we spent our money. And I'm like, you know what? Can we just pick another year? Let's just pick another year. <laughs> and then it's so funny because we said, we were like, we said the exact same thing about the year before that. We were like, it's an expensive year. We've got Lauren's wedding. We just, you know, we've got a lot of things happening. And so, yeah, there's never going to be a good year or a good month to, you know, look at your transaction history. And so your wedding year actually ends up being the worst of your life. So, yeah. or so far of my life. So the good worst, luck with that. The worst is yet to come. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, thoughts and prayers, blessings, good vibes. I need everything from the universe right now. Which right. this actually brings me to a perfect segue to our topic. I've been trying to help him with this endeavor. And the way that I've been helping him is, you know, he will work on the budget and I will sit in our bed and watch a TV show and wait for him to ask me questions about certain transactions. So over the weekend while we were doing this, because I'm not going to busy myself with the Excel spreadsheet, but I will certainly sit there, you know, sit vigil and watch a TV show and try to help him out. So over the weekend, we watched the Beckham documentary while Mm. doing the family budget. And I told you to watch this. Did you watch? I did watch. I watched the whole thing. Chandler, first of all, I was not expecting to be as into this documentary as I was. It's a very good docu-series. Also, I was not expecting to be so into soccer. Like I literally Googled Chandler. I was like, when does soccer or football season start? If you want Mm -hmm. to start like, I, cause I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm going to get into football now. Like maybe or soccer, that's going to be my thing. Like a new hobby for me is like watching a sport that could be unexpected. That could be very international, very European, very cultured of me. Yes. Yes. I think that would be a really cool personal development for you. (laughs) I think you could use another hobby that isn't pimping. I I also want you to know that I had the same feeling. I was not expecting to be as interested in it, not expecting to be as riveted by it. I mean, we were just crushing episode after episode. And then I had this thought between Travis and Taylor and the Beckham documentary. Like, I I guess you could say that I am somewhat interested in sports now, which is a sentence I never thought I would say. Here I am though. I'm like, should I have the ESPN app on my phone? Honestly, Chandler, I will tell you this. I've had a very similar experience. We have a friend, Joe Peacock, friend of the pod. He posted a little infographic on how football works Mm -hmm. and how they have so many plays to get 10 yards. And like, that's what they're trying to do each time. And that really helped me as I was watching or like watching all the Taylor content that was football adjacent Yeah, because yes, like I absolutely am starting to kind of get a little into it. So I'm with you. Absolutely. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? (laughs) You know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned 
cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a lay person like yourself. Everyone, see why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. So this documentary is a four-part episodic series about David and Victoria Beckham and their family and his soccer slash football career. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend like it's anything but soccer. I'm, you know, I'm an American and we call it soccer. I know it's called football around the world, whatever, whatever. I want to just get the biggest thing out of the way. The biggest part of this documentary that really was glaring the entire time, which is David Beckham is the hottest person who's ever existed. He doesn't have a bad angle. I was watching the documentary and I was thinking to myself, like, he's got to be short or something. There's got to be something. And that's totally going to sound bad. There's nothing wrong with being short. Except, <laughs> except Chandler's a friend to short men everywhere. No, I'm just like, if there are short men listening to this podcast, there's nothing wrong with being short. I'm a tall girl. I don't know how to get myself out of this hole. Chandler, but, you can't equivocate and be funny. You got to pick one or the other. It's true. Whatever. Fuck it. I'm sorry. But I was in my head. I'm like, there's got to be like Lady Justice has to have, you know, served him some type right, of, right. he can't be this hot and also tall. Mm-hmm. And the sad reality is that he is six feet tall. No, I think that that is one of the most striking parts of the documentary is really David Beckham is probably the best looking man to have ever lived. And it was something that, that Kagan and I bonded over as we were watching it. Even Kagan kept turning to me and being like, he is so he, attractive and he gets more attractive throughout the documentary. I mean, literally, I, I was like, I can't believe I thought Prince William was hot when David Beckham oh. was just, you know, a few, a few zip codes over in the UK. David no. Beckham, like teenage David Beckham, early 20s David Beckham. It is shocking. Present day David Beckham. I have the chills. It is. You know what's shocking about it, Chandler, is he's literally better looking than basically any male model. Like, yes, there's male model beauty. And then if we want to go several echelons above that, there's David Beckham beauty. Like this guy could have been famous for his beauty. End of story. Like that could have been his claim to fame. That is how he could have hit the scene. Right, right. And everyone would be like, this guy's an iconic star. So the fact that, no, he's like an incredible mega soccer star or yeah. football star yep. is really, I think, one of the special parts of the documentary for me. Right. Because you're like, for me, I'm watching it and I'm like, that's right. That's what celebrities used to be mm-hmm, like. Mm-hmm. They used to be these gods that were just perfect looking and had true skills at things. Right, right. I completely agree with you. I mean, even pre-veneers David Beckham, when his teeth are like a little funky, but it is so cute. His long blonde hair, his shaved head. Chandler, he shaves his head and somehow gets more attractive because you're like, oh, I can see how every every angle of this man works. Perfect. And it's perfect. It's chiseled by God. I mean, he puts in diamond stud earrings. Hotter. I'm into it. I want it. I feel like when they got to the affair part, they should have been like, and it's just a miracle he only had one affair that we know of. Like, that's pretty incredible. Totally. Like, kudos to this man. Kudos (laughs) to this man. Like, where much is given, much is expected. And we think he did pretty good. We did pretty, (laughs) he did pretty good for all the opportunity he had. Let's actually, let's jump to that part because. Let's do it. I think that is one of the juicier quote unquote parts. In that part is when I did truly realize that this is a documentary that was sponsored by the Beckhams, where the Beckhams had full control because they barely talk about it. It's a very small segment. 
And they don't really even go into detail about what the rumors were. Well, they do. They, they'd flash to the news articles and it right. says affair yes. on the screen, but there's no acknowledgement from either of them of what that was right. actually being reported or who it was from or the actual nitty gritty details of what this woman came out and said happened. Well, and also if it had not happened, they would have said, and then these horrible affair allegations happened. Right. And we have a 25-year marriage that we've been faithful to. Right. And we're so proud. Like, are you kidding me? That would just be so easy to say it didn't happen. So I think by, right. by just bringing up the story and then all he says basically is like, I was so sad to see her hurt. It's right. like, okay, thank you. The smoking gun is here. Right. It's right. fired. We know exactly what happened. Right. There's no denial of it whatsoever. There's no you know, it was completely unbased or whatever, like totally right. false, you know, people just wanting to drum up drama to poke holes in our marriage. It was very like Vic Victoria says, you know, at that time, we, you know, we were kind of like against each other. We weren't united. Right, right. I mean, it's just like, it, it's actually kind of, she was in a lot of pain. And then she's like, at this point later on, she's like, when they moved back to LA, she's like, I released that pain. Yeah. So they talk about it in a very roundabout way, but he does not know up to it. I would have maybe had a little more respect for him if he had just owned up to it, which leads me to think that this is probably not a one-off situation. Oh, I because don't think, yeah. It's, it's been very rumored that they have like, yeah. have had or did have an yes. open marriage. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely think there have been multiple affairs. And I think that obviously they are united together. And I do think they, they do love each other, but I don't think this has been a spotless marriage. But I also think no. it's kind of, it's very English of them, in my opinion, to not get in the nitty gritty about it, to not like, I just think that Victoria does not seem like the type of person who wants to appear messy at all. Well, and I think that one of the interesting things to me, and I think this would just be so riveting to hear, but like how she navigates that or in what, what arrangement they came to, right. are they both stepping out of the marriage? Are they right. both having things on the side? Yeah. And that's yeah. something that they've agreed on, but they'll keep the family, the Beckham brand together. Cause you can see there's obviously a lot of genuine love there. Right. Right. Like how you even keep that love together. It's right. really a mystery to me. I have so many things I want to say on their relationship and their marriage because I really think it's very fascinating looking at, you know, when they first started dating and met each other. I mean, they were so obsessed and instantly, you know, just like connected and into each other. I mean, obviously it's like two extremely hot people, so it makes sense. I love the stories of him driving four hours to spend 20 minutes with her. I thought that was just like it just spoke so much to like young love and just like when you're instantly just like so into somebody. I mean, mm -hmm. it's totally corny, but like, I feel like I would have done the same thing, especially when like Ben and I were first dating. Like you're just like so addicted to this person. Mm -hmm. You just want to spend any time you can get with them. And so I found that to be like, even with all the affair stuff, like I just know that they truly are obsessed with each other. I mean, when it comes to the affair stuff, for me, they have figured out a situation that works for them and they clearly seem genuinely happy. Right, so right. So I'm... I don't feel any need to cast aspersions on their current relationship. Right. They're adults that are doing what works for them, and they obviously have an amazing family. I felt the same way, Chandler. I felt like, to talk to his credit, I mean, this is a guy and this is a girl who were superstars, right? They were icons. Mm -hmm. They were so hot. And rather than just partying and having fun and having lots of flings, they fell in love and then had a child in their early twenties right. and then really did stay together. And that's 
pretty impressive given really the bounty of opportunity they had to not do that. And I did find his intense romanticism for her and how he would drive four hours to spend 20 minutes with her to be super sweet. Yes. So I I completely agree with you. Yeah. I really fell for their love and I hadn't really understood that or seen that, you know, up until this point. I mean, also they got engaged like a year into knowing each other. They got engaged really quickly. And well, she's also, she's a year older than him. I don't know if you know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. She's a year older than him. And then obviously, so they got engaged and then she found out she was pregnant. They got married when the baby, I think was one or two when Brooklyn was one or two. She was still pretty young. I also felt like it was really interesting to see that they both came from very humble beginnings, like truly humble beginnings. Not, Not Victoria. Like- Oh, I guess Vic- I, that's right. I guess Victoria's dad drove Roll- Rolls Royce. Wait, okay. We should talk about that true. moment. That, this, that, and maybe you guys have already seen this because this was like all over the internet when the documentary first dropped. But there's a moment where Victoria is talking about her upbringing and she's like, you know, like we were both from middle class families or families who worked. And she's like, we were very working, working class. class. We were, yes. She says we were very working class. Then it's so hilarious because David pokes his head into the room. Like he's not sitting on the couch next to her. He's like clearly listening from behind the scenes. And he goes, be honest. He's like, be honest. (laughs) He's like, what kind of car did your dad drive when you were in high school or something? And she's she's like like, hemming and hawing. She's like, well, it's not that simple. She's like, it's, you know, she's like totally giving him the runaround. He's like, he just keeps saying like, be honest. He's like, "It's, it's a yes or no question. It's not that hard to answer or something. And she goes... Okay, he had a Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little like peek into their dynamic. And I thought that was like mm-hmm. amazing. No, absolutely. It, I think that it goes to show that on some level, whatever they've created and whatever things they're trying to hide, they do value authenticity. Yes. And they aren't afraid to poke fun at each other. And they were totally content to have that moment and to leave it in. Right? Yes. Like, yes. Everything they said didn't need to be so manufactured and so perfect. I think that was a helpful moment in me liking Victoria Beckham because I don't find her to be super likable, but I think mm-hmm. the way David kind of took the piss out of her, you know, to borrow an English expression, I right. think that made me like her more and like them together as a whole. She could have easily gotten a little ticked off yes. and they could have edited that out, right? but she just totally allows him to make fun of her and troll her and mm-hmm. keeps it moving. Yeah. The thing that I, I guess I thought was impressive was she got into the Spice Girls by literally lining up for like a contest for like singing and dancing, Mm -hmm, essentially, mm -hmm. to be in a band. Yeah. I guess her career wasn't bought for her. She wasn't a Sophia Richie Grange. She wasn't one of these people that just had it, you know, laid out for her. Right. Um, And I just think that they did climb out of obscurity themselves. And I think that that's a really cool thing. A thousand percent. Okay. They climb out of obscurity to become superstars. Two, Chandler, have a wedding that OK Magazine or Hello Magazine paid $1 million to to video. And thank God, I thank God every day, so this is a documentary, that OK Magazine was there. Because, Chandler, we have video footage of what can only be described as one of the most garish weddings I have ever seen. I am having trouble believing that it all did not take place within a circus tent because it is a circus. It looks like it belongs in like the 1910 like World Fair or something. It is a full circus type wedding. All the guests are instructed to wear black and white, everyone. Mm-hmm. And Victoria and David, Chandler, can you share what they show up in? 
Yes. Yeah, so they show up. So let's just say they they did get married in traditional. She did wear a white dress. He did wear a white suit for their actual wedding ceremony. But that is kind of beside the point because they decided to make a statement with their reception <laughs> look, which was the most hideous shade of purple you've ever seen. Victoria's wearing a, a it one was Barney sh- purple. It was Barney purple. Victoria's wearing like a one shoulder dress that's purple with a mixture of pink and purple roses as the strap. David is wearing a full purple on purple full suit. Purple suit. Full purple suit. Purple is like maybe the worst color on any person. I don't really know anyone who wears purple super well, but okay. And they're both so overly tan too. It's like they got crazy spray tans and then put on purple. And then their child, Brooklyn, who's like one or two is wearing a purple suit himself, a little baby in a purple suit with like a purple top hat or a purple cowboy hat is very bizarre. It was so bizarre, especially because at the beginning of the documentary, David goes all into how much he loves style and fashion. And at the the end of the documentary, you see his closet, which is so impeccably put together. Victoria Beckham herself is a fashion designer, is a successful woman in fashion with her own label. And so it is actually shocking to see them have chosen some of the ugliest wedding I have ever seen. I've ever seen. Ever seen? They they literally sat in like medieval thrones in their thrones. purple getups. It was very shocking. They're, they yeah. cut the cake with a like sword. <laughs> they cut this weird looking cake with a sword. It it just came out of literally nowhere. It looks like it looks like they went to like a medieval fair, and like that's what they were inspired by. They were like, let's do a modern medieval fair type yes. wedding in Barney evening wear. Barney colored evening or the thing that I would have loved, I would have loved if Victoria Beckham trolled herself over these wedding looks. Cause I think that would have put it over the top for me where it's like, no, Victoria Beckham is like a home girl. She's hilarious. She's like, yeah. Yeah. But but she definitely was like, I just think it's so special that we did whatever we wanted. And I'm like, Oh, come on, Victoria. I feel like there's a moment though where David is like, yeah, that we really did that. Didn't we? Or something (laughs) like he was kind of cheeky about it. Also, it's hilarious. Speaking of budgets, Chandler, another relatable moment of this documentary is when they talk about David spending when he first started making money and they would be like, he made 50 grand and he bought a $50,000 car. (laughs) He made X dollars. He bought a watch and he was like, I really like nice things. I don't know. I I felt that I was related to that. What a relatable king. A relatable king. Clearly, they had a they played a serious role in the making of this documentary, and I think there's been some bad press, you know, with Brooklyn's wedding to Nicola Peltz Beckham or whatever Nicola Peltz. They clearly this was maybe a little bit of a PR move to garner some more favor with the public or to just kind of change the channel. Oh wait, you think and that I, this documentary is a response to the Nicola? You think wait, you think this documentary no, I, about Beckham's career? Yes, is a response yeah. to the Nicola Peltz is. wedding PR I issues. I think there was a lot of bad blood. I think the Daily Mail did a number on them. And I think they were like, well, let's just, let's bring it back to how good of a soccer player David Beckham is. I think it absolutely is. Chandler, you might be onto something. I think that's true. I mean, open your eyes. Seriously, like I'm playing checkers and you're playing 5D chess over there in Manhattan. Like, thank you, Chandler. Was this documentary not a full takedown of Nicola Peltz? I mean, I think... (laughs) I think by saying nothing about her, they said everything we need everything, to know about how they everything. feel about her. Yes. yes Notice she was yeah. not in. They have this very heartwarming scene at the end where David cooks breakfast in this outdoor 
grill situation he has going on, which looks really beautiful. And anyway, Nicola is nowhere to be seen. So nowhere, nowhere. Well, we loved it. Highly recommend. Everyone should watch and, you know, just admire how hot David Beckham is from literally every angle and at every age. The one thing I will say to have a moment of sobriety, sober moment on this podcast, it was unfortunate to see that he really did dovetail into a lot of selfishness throughout their marriage. I think Mm, he's at a better place now and they seem happy. But I thought that when he missed the birth of his third child to have a photo shoot with Beyonce and JLo, and you contrast that with him driving four hours to spend 20 minutes in a parking lot with Victoria at the beginning of their relationship, that for me was like really disappointing. I mean – he had to put food on the table, Lauren. He had to oh put food gosh. on the table. This baby had to eat, okay? And he needed to do this photo shoot with Beyonce and JLo. It was just an interesting trajectory, right? To see him go from such passion to yeah. such selfishness. I think, too, he loved the limelight. I think he loved also modeling, mm-hmm. you know, like... He's not so humble that he's no. like, yeah, I don't really care about my looks. Like, I hate photo shoots. I hate the camera. I think he, like, kind of ate that up, too. I also didn't need the scene of him, like, cleaning up after dinner. It was maybe 10 seconds, but I'm just like, I believe they have cleaners. Like, I don't yeah. think he's, like, slaving away making this gourmet breakfast every Saturday right. morning for his family and then also doing all the cleaning. Anyway, yeah. just a yeah. note for Netflix. Okay, should we move on, Chandler, to Let's other programming yeah. this week? Yes. Lauren, as we made our descent into New York, you know, from our beloved Guana Island trip, Mm. I got excited thinking about coming home to like my more simple routine food, like my Mm. Clean Simple Eats protein powder. Yeah, I feel like it's such a good staple because the protein powder, if you blend it with ice and water, you got vanilla frosty, essentially, if you like the Simply Vanilla. If you get chocolate brownie powder, you've got a chocolate frosty. You could do the mint chocolate chip, you got a thin mint frosty, or you just dissolve it in milk or water, and that also strangely tastes really good like chocolate milk it's a super fast easy quick snack also i just love that the ingredients are clean they're grass-fed it's 20 grams of protein for 110 calories it is just the best protein powder out there everyone go to cleansimpleeats.com and use the promo code pop apologist for 10 percent off that's pop apologist for 10 percent off cleansimpleeats.com pop apologist for 10 percent off Real Housewives of New York City, we are back with another episode. You know, we are away from the soft, glowing shores of Anguilla, and we are back in Mm -hmm. Manhattan, Chandler, a stone's throw away from where you sit now. It's true. And we need to talk about this episode because I'm going to just say out the gate, this was, I think, one of the hardest Housewives episodes for me to watch. I'm very curious for your thoughts. Well, I want to first start by offering a huge redaction. I came in hot last week or the week before saying that I was really loving Sai. Mm. And I feel like over the past two episodes, she has turned a corner. The pages have been turned in her persona and all of her scenes. And I fully feel like she's a mean girl. I feel like her and Aaron are mean girls. And I actually have a really soft spot in my heart for Jessel now. I completely agree with you. I found that entire scene at, by the way, have you heard of that place where you can have dinner and also do mini golf? I hate, I hate those types of things. Like the food's never that great because it's also a top golf place. Like I just, I'm not interested. Yeah. So they go to this place where they play mini golf and have dinner. It's like this 
restaurant in New York, it seems. And anyway, they proceed to completely gang up on Jessel. Before we get into Aaron and Jessel being mean girls at the restaurant place or yeah. whatever, let's go back to the very beginning of the episode where there are two separate phone calls happening that are recapping the conversation that Sai and Jessel had mm. when they went to lunch. Yeah. And Jessel is talking to Jenna about it and Sai is FaceTiming Aaron about it. And I just found Aaron and Sai's FaceTime call to be very mean girl energy, I guess. And th- the way that they were kind of snickering about Jessel's sex life. Yeah. It just it, it kind of gave me like made me sick to my stomach. I do think that's been just kind of like an overdone part of the, her entire storyline. But I found like Aaron, it's one thing I feel like for you in the moment to be talking to that person and kind of just like, you know, if they're playfully talking about how they haven't had sex with their husband in a, two years or whatever, like you're kind of opening the floor for that to be like a little bit of a joke or whatever. But the way that it was like sigh t- recounting it to Aaron and then them laughing no, about th- it. She was, was like, she mean. said she needed 20 minutes to like warm up down there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Aaron was like, Sai was like, what are you an oven or something? It was yeah, so I think mean. Aaron and, said that. And it's just like it, for me, it's like, well, first of all, that's actually sounds totally normal to me. So right, maybe absolutely. Jessel and I are on the same program. Well, also um, it's like, we're just like hot, cool girls who are always ready to have sex. You're right, Chandler. It's just so trying to be the cool girls and trying to juxtapose that with her having her issues or in their mind dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I think when we saw then cut to the scene where Jessel is talking to Jenna and Jessel tells Jenna like, oh yeah, we had our staycation, blah, blah, blah. And Jenna's like, oh my gosh, like Jenna is actually like supportive and happy for her and not condescending Mm -hmm. or bitchy Mm -hmm. about her success or, you know, this moment happening. And I just was kind of like, Aaron's a bitch. Like I, I actually, and I, I really liked her at the beginning of the season, but I know I did too. Grossed me out. And I mean, I want to get into this, but I, I now find Aaron and Abe to be totally gross. I find Abe to be disgusting. I'm sorry, but like, did you get that impression? Well, yeah, when they're at dinner and it's like, what would you do if you didn't have sex for a year and a half? And he's like, well, I'd fuck other women. Yes. And then like being like, oh, we want to be swingers someday or we're like open to it. It's just, I don't know. Like, what are you guys trying to prove? You know? I think that people that talk about how hot their sex life is all the time, it just seems to me like they're compensating. And yeah, it it, it leaves me with a major ick. I think a guy who's comfortable talking about how kind of insatiable his sexual appetite is, is a major turnoff for me. I think it speaks to, I don't know, it's just not, that is not a trait that I find to be attractive or that I feel like would, would be conducive to like a healthy, safe, warm, normal marriage, I guess. No. Does that make sense? Yes. Also, the thing that I want to really say is that where it really got pushed over the level for me, where this stopped being just like kind of bland vanilla bullying and started to be like yes. almost malevolent to me was when they kept bringing up the Vietnam thing. So yes, yes. Jessel's husband ostensibly purportedly says that he goes to Vietnam every year or so to gain miles or whatever. And he mm-hmm. is there for like a day. And they basically try to imply that he's going yeah. there for sex tourism. That's right. what they're that's what they're snickering yep. about. That's yep. what they're implying. Right. And to me, it's just, I think like 
let's take any sort of like discrimination or prejudice or just like any of that off the table and just right. think about what a horrible accusation you're making about someone's husband. Right, right, that they right. want to engage in illegal sex tourism right. and that's right. why they're going. That's why they're mm-hmm. traveling to Vietnam. It's just like, that's just like one of the worst things you can say about someone. And to not even like pull her aside to be like, hey, you know, maybe this is going on. Maybe you need to like be, you know, aware of this, but instead to make it a joke to her about how she's so dumb and how, you know, she's just blissfully unaware. I mean, it's just like, it really got gross for me and made me feel kind of sick. It's just, they were both uh, being and bullied me, and I felt bad for yeah. both of them at that, di- at that restaurant. Cause when they were, when they kept pestering him about it at dinner, right. that was like on national television. Right. And he's right. stupid. He knows exactly what, what right. they're implying. Right. And, I do think that, like that's like a thing people do. Like that's literally people are like obsessed with credit card points. Like that's hello the points guy. Like people do that. Like try to game the system to figure out how they can like get more points. Like that is just a thing. That's kind of a nerdy thing to do. That's absolutely the case. Also, Povit and for me, I think this is kind of what makes me think there is nothing to this story. He's on the street food committee. He's like a major yeah. foodie, and right, Vietnam right. has apparently I've never been, but I've heard it has incredible street yeah. food. So right. when he says he flies there and gets up on me, like I'm gonna believe that he flies there and gets up on me. I'm not gonna believe that this guy is like a secret, like perverted, well, gross, horrible person. Right, right. So and maybe, yeah, I don't know. I was so grossed out by Aim in that entire scene when he's like talking about why he knew Aaron was the one. He was like, you know, someone who we're not going to have a boring life, you know, and it's just like his whole energy. He's like the least attractive type of guy to me. Yeah. He's like, he does not scream like stability. He's, he seems to me like if you are not always up to snuff in his opinion, like he feels totally validated in doing whatever he's going to do because like, I don't know, I'm not articulating this well, but he just doesn't have like partner energy to me mm-hmm. he has like how do you make my life not boring and how do you make my life fun yeah and how do you make sure that i'm sexually satisfied it's always guys like that who are like kind of mid themselves who have yes. this like caviar taste and i'm just like oh, yes i cannot imagine dealing no. with that demon literally can yeah. we talk about can i sorry i feel like this is like getting kind of negative and i don't want to like keep on this like tone but the other thing i really didn't like was when size husband says to uba he's like you're so gorgeous you're a yes! owner why are you not in a yes. serious Ugh. relationship i'm like oh wait i don't no. just like i'm sorry wait women need to be in a serious relationship to mm-hmm. justify their existence right like, no and I, and I think to him, he thinks he's almost complimenting her. Oh, and it's he like, does. Wait, he's literally saying like, why aren't you validated enough by like a man? It's <laughs> all these things, but you need a man to finally can, like kind of validate everything that I'm saying. Can you imagine him saying no. that to a man in his late thirties who no, hadn't settled down? Never. He never, can you imagine that? Oh, you're a hot, gorgeous guy. Right. You have a great business. Why aren't you in <sighs> a serious, committed relationship? Right, right, right. right. Would, what's wrong would, with you? What's wrong with you? Yep. It yeah. is just, I think it was such a classic sexist comment. It was so yeah. gross. Yeah. Lauren, I completely agree. I don't want to stay in this negative territory anymore. I just think that the behavior from Cy, Aaron, and their respective partners just made me feel icky and gross and maybe kind of like not into them as housewives at all. And just kind of like so into Jenna. I mean, I was already obsessed with Jenna and I'm like, literally Jenna for the win forever. Like I would, I would die for her. She's just like actually a real one. And yeah, I don't know. It just made me 
there's double down on my love for her. There's kind of coming from right. them. Yes. Maybe Bryn's energy can get a little tired and get a little repetitive. Right. But from Uba, from Bryn, and from Jenna, I think we see good-natured people right. having conversations in good faith. And from Aaron and Sai, what we're seeing really is bullying. And it's right. on national television, and it's just horrible to watch. It's horrible. It's not pleasant. So. I want to talk about Bryn for a second because, and this is kind of going back a few episodes, but something I've noticed. Yeah. I think Bryn sat down with producers before the show and I think she said to them, uh, what are going to be my hobbies that I'm going to talk about in this season? <laughs> and I think she literally did some, some brainstorming, maybe some journaling outside in the bright New York city air in central park. And was like, how amazing would it be if my hobbies this season on real housewives of New York city were chess and Vintage book collecting. <laughs> you are I cannot Jenna. handle these scenes. You are so absolutely correct. She literally sat down with like a storyboard of writers, or not yes. a storyboard, but writers with a storyboard. Okay, yeah. pre-strike. They're like, she's like, what quirky interests that make yes. me seem like intellectual and cool can I have? And it can't be normal stuff. It has to be like really eccentric. And it's just like, okay, maybe, yes, maybe you can be into chess. Maybe you can be into vintage book. The vintage book collecting scene, I don't know. It was just giving a little pick-me energy. I, I absolutely, yeah. the two things about it were giving pick-me energy. First of all, her wearing a hat. I'm sorry, but I'm anti-hats, okay. anti-fashion hats. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. That's a hill I will die on. I would like that to be in my eulogy. I'm anti-fashion hats. Second, yes, is literally her acting like she would ever spend that much money on a vintage copy of Jane Eyre. It's a little surprising, Chandler, especially given that she only works 10 hours a week. So yeah, I can, yeah. I'm with you there. I mean, Lauren, though, if you only work 10 hours a week, that's plenty of time for you to be playing chess in the park <laughs> and, and going to chess tournaments and reading your vintage books, your collectible books. It truly reminds me of like when you make up hobbies for a job interview and you're like, what would like, what would the storybook version of me be interested in? I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of like when you're dating and you're trying to seem interesting (laughs) and you're like, I actually love rare books. It's like my, I'm so (laughs) hot for rare books. It's honestly something you put on your hinge profile that you live to regret. No. It's something that you almost like do so that you could put it on your hinge. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's like a performative hobby to attract the opposite yes. sex. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Good for her. Good for her, I guess. Anything else on this episode before we move on? No, I will say overall, Real Housewives of New York has been a good season. I will continue watching. It's a good cast and there's lots that I'm now fully invested in. Yeah. And you know, I, I think I'm very interested to see how this all plays out because I think that Cy and Aaron really thought that, okay, what is the Gen Z phrase? Like that eight, like she really thought oh, that, that, they, that they ate, like they like eight is good, like, right? Yeah. It's kind of like, like if you show up in a good outfit, like she ate or whatever. Okay. I'm so old at this point. Anyway, we can, let's leave that in. You know what? Oh yeah, I yeah. get the gist of what you're saying. Leave it in. They really thought they ate. <laughs> they really <laughs> thought that that like that everyone's right. going to be laughing with them at Jessel, yeah. and they were going to think that she was a liar about the Vietnam thing, which is just mm-hmm, like about mm-hmm. the the travel schedule. Right. Anyway, they really thought they were doing something there, and I think Chandler, I think most people feel the way we do. Right. 
And so, cause I've seen a lot of like Reddit threads and stuff about this and people are really not into Psy and Aaron as well. And so it, I think it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out, especially the reunion. And right. if honestly they both come back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We will see. We will see. Should we talk about Mauricio and Leslie Bega? Yes, right? let's. Okay, everyone. So Mauricio Umansky, he was pictured on his mom's Instagram, I believe. His mom posted a photo of him with a brunette beauty, her arm around him at a restaurant after dancing with the stars with both of his parents. And this is rumored to be who he's dating. Page Six or TMZ, one of the two reported later that that was actually who his dad's dating, but that has yep. since been disproven. His dad has a long-term girlfriend. Somehow TMZ missed that, but his dad is not dating this woman, Leslie Vega. She is a dancer. She does the splits. She also works at the agency. <laughs> she is a brunette. So anyway, I will say looking at the photo, it looks very much like they're together. I have never been dining with someone and put my arm on around them and like on their chest if they weren't my partner. Curious what you sure. think, Jan. Uh, so I was kind of buying the fact that it was the dad's girlfriend until I realized that they were out to dinner with his mom and the dad's girlfriend, which to me, I'm like, that seems like an odd, <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't think that like, and then the mom know, posted the photo of it. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, that seems very odd to me if it's like your mom and your dad's new girlfriend. Like, I don't know how long they've been divorced for the parents, but I'm like, that just can't be all that like hunky dory in divorce yeah. town. And yeah. I think in the caption, she's like, thank you so much for the ride home at Leslie. So anyway, definitely, yeah. it's definitely not the dad's girlfriend. I think that there might be something going on here just from body language reading. That yeah. is my, well, that is my take. Once again, I'm just always skeptical because they just got to keep stoking the rumors and the PR fire. That's until true. The season airs. Chandler, yeah. she's over there playing chess while I'm playing checkers. You're right. I mean, this podcast can be a little bit like ping pong, Mauricio and Kyle, what's going on? Like one episode, we're like, yeah. the marriage is over. This is the most horrible thing that's Love ever happened dead. to us. Love is dead. And then the next episode, we're like, it's all fake, everyone. This is right. all to keep their, to well, get, get the season going. And honestly, people, there's ping pong going on in my heart and my head. Yeah, I don't know true. what's going on, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do think if I may transition to our next subject, yes, Lauren, please. there is a new marriage that to me is foundational and that to me, if it were to crumble or if we were to find out that this man has been unfaithful, that I would really consider breaking off my own engagement and, you know, living a life of celibacy, maybe becoming a nun. <laughs> that is the marriage of Matthew McConaughey and Camilla. I actually don't remember her last name. <laughs> it's really just, <laughs> is Matthew McConaughey a faithful man? That's actually, you don't really, <laughs> no, I don't know that you're that invested in, in Camilla. Like you are in Faith and Tim. No. Like you love Faith and you love Tim. Right, right. But you are very invested in Matthew McConaughey being who he says he is. If I found out that Matthew McConaughey was a charlatan, I would need people to fly in. I would need people to sit vigil with me and to just watch me to make sure that I was okay because I, I would not be okay. It would be better for you if Ben turned out to be going to Vietnam for sex tourism <laughs> than to find out <laughs> that Matthew McConaughey has been unfaithful to Camilla or Camilla. We don't know her name. I mean, if I found out that he had been cheating on her, if I mean, if he gets canceled for something really terrible, like, I don't know. It's really sad. If and, Matthew McConaughey you know, ever had a lustful thought, that would be worse to you <sighs> than Ben going to Vietnam for sex tourism. 
I want you to know. So this is all because everybody, I, I've always loved Matthew McConaughey, but this man can basically do no wrong in my eyes. And he recently was on Smartless, uh, which is another podcast I listen to. And let me just tell you that there are going to be several moments while you are listening to this episode where you're going to want to take a cold shower because I belong to the church of Matthew McConaughey. I am a card carrying member. You know, Matthew McConaughey, I'm with you. I, I think my reaction is a little more measured. I listened to the podcast. I've also listened to half of Green Lights. Yeah, same. I've listened about half of it. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. I think we've all listened to half of Green Lights. Matthew McConaughey, for people who are not acquainted with him beyond his acting, he is basically like also like an armchair moral philosopher. Like he's an armchair. I don't even... I don't think he could call himself that. He's just a soulful man. So he went on Smartless recently and he basically was talking about this children's book that he wrote. And literally everyone, he had a dream, a fever dream in the middle of the night about how we can teach like children moral lessons. I don't like your tone. I don't like your tone. I don't like your tone. It's a tone of skepticism. (laughs) I'm just, and I was, I was so taken with the children's book. I ordered it for Jane. Consider my credulity strained when he's like, I just had, you know, in the middle of the night, I thought, you know, and he had some phrase, some, what's the phrase? He was, so there was, there's like a Bob Dylan song where like the the phrase is like just because and then oh, he woke just up because. and he had all these couplets in his mind oh and he was and, just because and he thought he was writing a song just because just be- you lied doesn't Let mean me you're a liar <sighs> it's just like and then but it's, it's like, for children it's- i was up writing those couplets until that's four you're in the doing morning. a terrible <laughs> you're doing a terrible <laughs> accent of him it's actually now becoming offensive to me <laughs> i'm sorry because I was eating it up. I was literally, Ben and I were driving like out to Brooklyn or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, like several times I just had to like pause it and turn to Ben and just be like, this man is such a gift. I just think I loved, I've been I on this book. planet for five years more than you. And it's showing right now. I'm a little Why? more jaded. My credulity is a little wrong with strained. Him? I don't think anything's wrong with him. Maybe I'm envious that such a virtuous person exists and it's like hard sure. for me to relate to. I think that's I exactly what what's happening. What's going on? <laughs> I think it's a you problem. (laughs) Okay. I think Matthew McConaughey, I'm 70% buying what he's selling. I also enjoy his content. I enjoy listening to him. If he is as folksy and warm and beautifully moral as he seems to be, it is one of, you know, humanity's crowning achievements. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Thank you. I think there's a reason why I'm a little bit restrained here. And I think it's because I honestly witnessed the complete sycophantry, if that's a word, or just a complete worship of Matthew McConaughey really happened to the host on Smartlist throughout this episode, right? Like they yeah. start off joking. And by the end, you guys, they are all like I mean, begging him to run for president of the United no, States. No, literally. It's like, please be our president, sir. <laughs> just please like, be our president. They were like on their knees begging him to be a I world mean, leader. And to be honest with you, that's where the wheels came off the bus okay. for me. I'm not sure. I, like, I'm not saying that I necessarily want him to be no, president. Oh, you do. Matthew McConaughey, 2024, say- 2028. <laughs> Absolutely. We all know you your do. politics, all right? And I knew it. I knew that that was where this was going. Like, I, I'm sorry. I cannot believe the rubber didn't hit the road for you as well there. Well, I the mean, record I think, didn't I think scratch. There's been, well, there's been rumors of him like running for governor. Like that's not, it's not like they were like, please be our president. Like you're the greatest person who's ever lived. 
there's been rumors. I think that's what they were getting at. But yeah, I think that's the power of Matthew McConaughey. I know, and but I think that's the power of being swept away by people's charisma. Let me be clear. I'm not saying I want him to be like our world leader. I'm not saying that. <laughs> Am I totally swept away by his charisma? If he were to decide that he wanted to start a cult in West Texas and he would accept beautiful women like me, would I potentially consider? Yes, you absolutely yes. would. You would be in his harem. Do I want him to be our like world leader figuring out geopolitical issues? Right, Not necessarily. Right. Cause I don't know that he would necessarily like, I don't know that his soulfulness is necessarily like is perfect for that type of scenario. I just, I do just bask in his soulfulness and I love the, his outlook on things. And I love the way he talks about parenting. I mean, when he talks about how, you know, if his kids are being disrespectful to Camilla and he's like, you know, he'll stop and he'll be like, Hey, that's the woman I fell in love oh, with. Oh, gosh. This is personal for me. I mean, that's when I thought that to Ben. I'm like, that's my wife. Hang on a second. What am I teaching you? If I, if you, if I'm allowing you to talk about that way to my wife. No, no I love I that too. As a man, I, Chandler, I love, just, obsessed. It's a master class. And honestly, it's literally like maybe a, governor potential. I just don't know that I need him as the leader of the United States. House of reps. <laughs> maybe it's house. I don't, I don't know that I need him to be president, but maybe the house of reps. <laughs> I, yes, House of Representatives, let's get him a seat. Down for that. I agree with you. And just quickly back to his children's book that I consider to be a beautiful masterpiece that is currently being Amazon Prime to my nieces and nephews. Oh my gosh. I honestly love it because I do think he's talking about bigger questions and bigger themes that are sometimes hard to explain to children. You know, this idea that you know, one of them, it's so it's basically all these couplets, all these like little two string stanzas that are You're like literally just doing because I let go. Doesn't mean I Chandler, stopped climbing. He doesn't yeah, sponsor we're this getting... podcast. We're not. No I more. Know, I know. No more I, about this I just, children's if he book. To, if, he, if he were to ever listen, I want him to know that I support it. <laughs> oh my. I just, and then like another one is like, just because I lie doesn't mean I'm a liar. Like those are just, I just, I love the nuance with which he like is giving these lessons. And I agree. I, I just don't yeah, think he needs I'll, the I'll nuclear stop. codes. I'll stop. I'll okay. Stop. I know. I, I am. I am aligned with you on that. But why can you not just recognize that he is a beautiful man? I don't know because I. With a I beautiful feel like soul. I saw it. You're. You're so. He's not the. Up. He's not the president. You were slipping and sliding off your seat from Matthew McConaughey right now, and I honestly heard that happened to Will Arnett. I heard that happen to Jason Bateman, the other host. Because it scares I, me. He is a beautiful man. I just feel like oh my Chandler, gosh. People, do, you need to open your heart. You need to dust off that black soul there of yours. There are people who we, people listen to this podcast. It shocks me every time I actually consider that, but there are people who actually listen. I just want everyone, when you tune in to the Smartless episode with Matthew McConaughey after you shut this off, please fucking do not think that he should run for president. That's my only I'm request. not saying he should run for president. I would be okay with him like at the House of Reps or whatever. And also, he doesn't even want to run for president. He literally said he was oh. – this is another beautiful thing he said. He's like – they're like, would you you know consider running? And he's like, you know what? Right now, I'm focused on raising my kids. Like that is a that's it's like a that's hard, an adventure I want to see through. And then no, that you're doing literally the worst <laughs> impression of him of all time. And I'm actually going to stop talking about this because I'm not. It's no longer a conversation. It's I no don't want to be in a fight about this. Too willing. I, li- I Chandler. I legitimately do not want to be in a fight about Matthew McConaughey. I. I mean, we. Oh, it's so late that, that he is too wonderful. Late. A wonderful man. Absolutely. In, Okay, let, let's just end it there. <laughs> All right, everyone, please go listen and decide for yourself. And another thing I want to say oh, before we close. God. Let's not talk about if the children's has book insider again. tea. If you have any insider tea about how Matthew McConaughey is not actually a great person, don't, do not that, DM us. Someone, don't send us it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I'm not that's there for actually, it this week. That's something I want to tell everyone. If Chandler and I wax poetic about how a man is great, as we did when, who's the billionaire we talked about? 
with literally every every like straight white guy on our podcast we're like mauricio's an amazing man (laughs) you like elon musk wait no no there's uh mark cuban mark cuban did this interview on another podcast i talked about it i said what a down-to-earth guy he seemed like still married to day one you were eating it up day one b I was equally enthused about Mark Cuban. And then someone was like, oh, well, it's well known. They messaged me. It's well known. He's a cheater around Dallas. My hairstylist was just, you know, chuckling when I told her about your episode. I'm just like, I don't need to hear about this. Let me live in my delusions that the world is a good place. And that's what I'm asking for. It's been a really tough week for a lot of other reasons. Please, as I'm going through my own family budget debacle, <laughs> just let me live in my Matthew McConaughey delusion. She's trying okay? to unsubscribe from Fila this week, everyone. Please have, gosh, give some, give Please. her some grace. Just honestly, let me have some green lights. <laughs> green light. Honestly, it's like he literally, can you imagine Iran gets nuclear power and he's like, I don't think that those are green lights. He I, don't, I, I just feel I, I don't want him to be the president. I, honestly, it just scares me. I'm going to change my Instagram bio to be, I do not want Matthew McConaughey to be president. But the adversaries the Western world ha- is facing Chandler today. The idea of Matthew McConaughey being in the driver's seat. Oh my seat, gosh. I just, I'm sorry. I can't. I want be- him to start a I podcast. I, I want him to write more children's books. For. I want him to write more children's books. I want him to start a podcast that I would listen to. I do not want him to be commander-in-chief okay well i want everyone to know that i called bullshit on that and i do think chandler would vote for him (laughs) it's been a wonderful day being with you all okay thank you so much for joining us thank you for gathering with us here one thing before we sign off matthew mcconaughey 2028 i just want to say oh my gosh i just want to say you guys I was amazed because we casually mentioned at the end of last interview that we hadn't had reviews in a while. And if you haven't written one, it would mean a lot. Thank you. Literally, Chandler, we got so many new reviews and they made my day so much. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote us a review that was so kind of you. And if you haven't yet, and you would take a second to write us a review on Apple Podcasts, that really, really actually helps our show. Honestly, it would mean the world. And I'm not going to lie. We've been doing a lot more. I'm just going to get vulnerable for a second. Uh, you know, after you've already like, I'm not going to lie. There's a the children's book on a hate that matters a lot to me. <laughs> Lauren, just because you listen to this podcast doesn't mean we know that you love it until you leave us a review. I got to work on that. Couplet. But um, No, I just want to say, I feel like this podcast has been a little harder for me to do recently. I, I think there's something about the video content where I just like feel like, I'm just getting totally off the rails vulnerable here, but like, I think it's hard sometimes for me to like see the video content of us. Cause I don't always feel like I sound the best or I look the best. And I think hearing that people like the content and that this podcast brings something like to their life in a small way just really makes it all feel worth it. It makes me get over myself because I sometimes can feel very insecure about it. And the reviews mean the world. So thank you because like they definitely like carry us in moments where it feels like this is kind of embarrassing and stupid. And I just have like ugly video content of myself out in the world. I think, yeah, I think that for us, like someone said, I think one of your friends DM'd and they're like, whenever you're trying to create something, you have to climb cringe mountain. And Chandler and I very much still feel like we're at the bottom of cringe mountain. And I think that when we hear that people really actually like it, it really is just like, it, it keeps us going. Cause we, we've had moments where it's been like something that we were like, maybe we can't continue this. And so 
Totally. And it, it just in the way that it's not like we don't love doing it, but just in the way that it's created a lot of stress for us, like as business partners mm-hmm. and like it's changed Sisters. our relationship dynamic in a major way. So anyway, when we hear that it means a lot to people and like it brings them joy and it brings them like comfort and it feels like they're hearing their sisters talk and it just like is something that they look forward to. You're so right, Chan. It just like, it really yeah. keeps us going. So thank you everyone. Truly. Right. And thank you for listening. Thank you everyone. It really is incredible. Yes. yes. We love you all. So thank you. And Matthew McConaughey, 20 Exactly. Thank you for finally admitting who you are. Now everyone, please go buy his children's <laughs> book on Amazon. Okay. <laughs> That's that. Let's just think we're good. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Pahapologists, and we will see you next week live every Wednesday. Bye.